So we're all potential lepers now. Leprosy was, uh, is a skin disease visible. It's disfiguring. People who have leprosy have open sores. And so you don't just hide leprosy. And so it marked all of those who were afflicted with this disease. And in ancient times, they were forced to live in colonies away from other people. They couldn't work because they, especially in the Jewish community, they were seen as unclean. And so they had to, again, had to stay away from other people. They couldn't work. And so they had to beg for food or rely on others to bring them food and to care for them. And I'm sure they spent a lot of time praying for healing. They weren't to get near regular people. I'm sure that many people believed, and maybe they did themselves, that somehow they had been cursed by God. I mean, even to this day, when when people get sick, sometimes I hear people say, well, what, what did, God, what did I do to deserve this? We often think that God somehow afflicts us with things to punish us for something that we've done or haven't done. Some people took pity on lepers. Some people had a, what we would call now a ministry where they would share their food with them. They'd go to outside the colonies and they would leave baskets of food and they would leave things for them or maybe bring them clean linens to be able to wear and to have the things that they needed. I'm sure that some also looked at them with disdain and, well, God has cursed them. Let's just leave them to their fate. And leprosy, untreated, is a deadly disease. It eventually kills the person who has it. And now, we're all potential lepers, right? We don't know who may be carrying COVID-19. So we stay away from each other. Or some deny that it's real and decide to leave themselves and others to fate. You know, they say, well, I trust in God, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. Doesn't seem like much has changed from the ancient world. But in this time, as I talk with you and as I think about what's happening and what it feels like to live in this time where, where we're all a little bit unsure about the future, we're all a little bit wondering about things. Could I get sick? What might happen if I do? What if a loved one dies? All of those sorts of things. Am I going to be able to find a job? Am I, whatever it is, it's like, I just feel like we're walking in a no man's land, in a demilitarized zone where, where it's just sort of a barren expanse and we're not supposed to really have contact with each other. And so it feels like we're walking on our own alone. Everything feels different or most things feel different. And so we're in this in-between zone. And I love that in this scripture, it says Jesus was going somewhere between Samaria and Galilee. I mean, normally when in the scripture, when they're like, oh, well, Jesus is in Samaria, or Jesus is walking through Galilee, or Jesus is in, in this area, Jesus is here. No, 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 here, it's really interesting. He's nowhere. He's between Samaria and Galilee. He's, he's in sort of this no man's land. It's a place without a name. In between something or something or other. And while he's walking, then 10 lepers appeal to him. Have mercy on us. And he does, sort of. I mean, it's interesting because he doesn't, he doesn't go near them. They don't come near him. He just says, go to the priest. 
Well, if you didn't know some of the background there, you wouldn't understand what that was all about. That seems like a weird thing for Jesus to say, but, but he sends them to the priest because those who have been healed or who recover from leprosy have to go to the priest to be certified, basically. They have to be examined physically. They have to wash ritually a number of times. And then I believe their garments were all burned and they basically were reintroduced back into the society with the priest's blessing. And so they began to go on the way to the priest. I mean, I think it's interesting that they just, they, something, they either just believe, okay, well, we're just supposed to go to the priest. So we're going to, we're going to trust Jesus's authority here and we're just going to go. I find that fascinating because he didn't say you're healed, go, go see the priest. It says on the way to the priest's they were healed. And they know that they're healed. Now, who knows what, that, what form that took? Did, did miraculously, did the sores just disappear or was there just some shift in their body that they just knew that by the time they got to the priest, everything was going to be fine? And so nine of them continue on, but one of them turns back. One of them turns back and he comes back and basically it says he threw himself at Jesus' feet. He's worshiping Jesus like one worships God. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he gave thanks for the healing that he's been given. And Jesus just asked this interesting question. He says, well, where, well, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? And then he notes this. He says, and, and then the one who comes back is a Samaritan? And if you remember... Samaritans and the Jews are sort of like step cousins to each other. They had all been together part of the same family, part of the Hebrew people, part of the Jewish people. But then in one of the exiles, the Samaritans were the ones who stayed back and didn't go into full exile. And so their customs and traditions stayed the same as they had been before. And then when the rest of the Jews came back from exile, they were no longer friends. You didn't associate with Samaritans. Samaritans were seen as bad people, different, foreigners, strange to the Jewish people. So you didn't have any communication with them. And so Jesus' highlights, well, look at this. We expect that this foreigner, this stranger, this person who doesn't act like us, they probably looked the same, FYI, just because they were from the same family. But this person, that this is the one that comes back and gives thanks? This foreigner? This one who's least likely to find himself giving gratitude to God? Hmm. He'd been given a new life. And he grounded his new life. His first act was gratitude, thankfulness, worship. Well, we followers of Jesus all of us potential lepers. We've already been given a new life. And the right response to a new life is gratitude. Grounding ourselves in gratefulness means seeking to be thankful for what is, not what isn't. It's living our lives from this foundation no matter the circumstances. And this is not some, some sort of fake happiness, some fake joy. That's not what we're talking about. But it is a, a grounding of ourselves, putting ourselves on the solid foundation of the fact 
that what we have and what we are is enough in this moment. As I shared with Zach and Katie at their wedding last week, I said, there is always this moment and there is always God's love. Those two things never change, even if everything else changes. A grateful life is also a generous life because when we're grateful and grounded in thanksgiving for what we have and who we are right now in this place with this new life, we can then begin to give beyond ourselves because we're not just thinking about ourselves anymore. We're thinking about the people around us and how we, with the whatever resources we have, might be able to share with others that they might be given a new life. Not just the new life in Christ, but maybe a new life in this world that they might have a solid place to stand, a solid place to live, a new way of life where they can move forward. A grateful life is a generous life, blessing even foreigners, strangers and aliens, and and looking for the places where those who we least expect it to come from might show true acts of gratefulness and faith. And so in this year, as we think about all of the things that have happened within our congregation and out in the world, we return to being grounded in gratitude. And and we as a congregation have chosen to seek to bless a wider community by continuing to live stream worship, by by continuing to to open our recovery center, by continuing to be a home for Richmond Preparatory Christian Academy, by continuing to provide space and to support reestablish Richmond in very concrete ways so that we can continue with gratitude to use the gift of what we have to share with others that they might have a new life. And so you are already responding in gratitude to an opportunity in this phase two of the Reimagine campaign to take our live streaming to another level, to pay off the debt that we carry for this beautiful renovation of the sanctuary so that we might continue in gratitude to bless those in this community and outside of this community and out into the world. Because you never know what just one single act might do. Just recently, I got an email back from a a man that I met with two years ago, and he said, you may not remember our meeting. We met and we talked for over two hours, but you made a big impact on me that day, and my life is different because of that meeting and the decisions I made afterwards. And I'll be honest, I, I didn't remember him until he told me about the conversation, and I thought, wow. You don't know the impact you might have by just being generous, by just being grateful to be in that moment with this person that I didn't know, and now to see what has happened in his life as a result of just that meeting and the, and the way that he moved forward in that. And so we have the opportunity each and every day to ground ourselves in gratitude, to live in this moment to bathe ourselves in God's love and to step forward in the new life that Christ gives with generosity and hope. 
And so whatever your circumstance is today, and I know all of our circumstances are different, may you seek to ground yourselves in gratitude. May you embrace this new life that we have in Jesus. May you embrace this opportunity to share whatever it is that you have with those who are in need. May we stand on this solid ground to be light and life, to be help and to be hope to all the lepers and potential lepers of today. Amen.